Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. That's the show. Thanks a lot for checking it out tonight. Blue Jays, after five innings, playing a home game at home for the first time in a long time. They lead the Kansas City Royals 3 1. That's after five innings. We'll keep you updated on that one. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. That is the hotline presented by Certain Teed, professional grade building materials. That's also the number to text. Well, we got a new character here texting in. This is pretty good. He uh, is going by the handle Bulk Hogan. And uh, a couple of days ago, this individual asked if I could somehow get him a contract with the Edmonton Oilers and that he would play uh, he would accept a four-year deal for a Mercedes Sprinter van. Now, I don't, I don't know what kind of van that is. I, I don't know if there's some sort of significance to that van. If it was like, if it's a famous model of van. I, I am not a vanologist. I am not a van aficionado. He wants the uh, Mercedes Sprinter van. I just Googled it quickly. It's uh, If I were to see this, I would probably call it a, a well, what is it? A, like uh, it's kind of a bigger van, I guess. Well, I guess the point of vans is they're a little bigger. Anyway, this bulk Hogan wants a van. He will play for a van. So he said, Reed, I know you and Mooner are talking about some of the new signings, but any feedback from Holland or tip on my offer of four years for a Mercedes van? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do net and or defense plus maintenance at the rink on off days. They can trade me to a new team and I'll score two on my own net every time they send me over the boards. It also says, do you, uh, do you know where I could borrow a stick? Well, that's that's pretty funny. We got, a, we got a new character on the text line. Bulk Hogan, who wants to sign for a van. This texture says, Reed, you're not a Van Gogh. <laughs> I, I am not. And KJ, oh, KJ, where have you been? KJM, one of our more, I, I think anyway, more one of our more astute commentators on all things Oilers. Who he often calls in, doesn't text a lot. Well, he probably texts Stoffer all the time. That's probably who he really likes. Uh, KJM has said sprinters are commonly used for couriers. So there we go. We got the uh, Mercedes Sprinter van commonly used for courier. so let me get if i if i became a delivery person for amazon kjam should i buy a mercedes sprinter van maybe that's bulk hogan's end game here he wants to play for the oilers get the van and then realize his true dream not of playing in the nhl but of being a courier i don't know i'm just trying to figure out this entire process it's nice to hear from you kjam I hope you're. I hope you're doing okay. I thought you would call or text in with all the free agency. No worries, though. We'll have uh, plenty of time. Okay, oh, Jam's moving this weekend. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to the show while you're moving. I've often heard that that this show is the perfect accompaniment 
for people who are uh, moving. 7804960063. The Elks are moving along through training camp with the lowdown, my buddy Dave Campbell. Dave, how are you doing? I am fantastic, Reed. Always good to be with you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for hopping on tonight. This has been a, 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 fu- a fun week. Well, I usually have fun doing the show regardless, but this week we you had do. NHL free agency, so tons of storylines, tons of movement by the Oilers, trades and free agent signings. So talking about that was really cool. And along the way, we revealed the fan voting, our listener votes for the Elks franchise all-time All-Stars, which was pretty cool. I, I didn't know exactly what to expect because sometimes with votes like these, there's, uh, I believe it's called recency bias, where, you know, <laughs> if, a, if a player played in the last 10 years, he might get more votes than someone from 60 years ago just because more fans saw him. But all of the category winners, except for a couple, have connections to the five-in-a-row teams. And uh, the other one's a little more recent than that, which was Giz, which was an obvious one. And then, you know, mm-hmm. running back was uh, well before the five in a row with uh, with Normie Kwong. I, I do want to talk about a couple of specific guys, but I, I, I think that this the, the voters did a good job. I got to give them credit. These were some pretty good lists and, and the category winners, I think, were, were quite appropriate. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think there was, uh, you know, when you ever have, when you ever have something like this, like top 10 lists or all time lists, like we did, um, and you're choosing a, an all-star team from, from, you know, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of players that have played for the green and gold for the double E it's, uh, you know, you're going to get into a lot of debates here, but Honestly, like I look at most of the the categories, if not all of them, and I I say, you know, I mean, they, they pretty much got it right. I mean, I I had a few differences in my voting. Um, I didn't have Odell Willis in the D line category. I think I picked Ron Este, um, but there's nothing wrong picking an Odell Willis, especially in the in the you know the 2014-15 season, which was the best we've ever seen Odell Willis play under Chris Jones. And I love the 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 recollection of Eddie. Deal earlier in the week talking about Odell, um, and then you look at the court. The quarterback one was very interesting to me because uh, you know I I thought Warren Moon would get get a lot of love, and he did. Ricky Ray was going to be in there, uh, no question about that. But then you know you you look beyond that and you go, well, will Damon Allen get some votes? You know Matt Dunigan. What about Mike Riley? But I think overall it's been uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and I think a lot of fans got it right and. You could put, uh, it's almost like what we say about the, the Canadian Olympic team for hockey or a World Cup team that you could you could ice two teams and they would still be good. And I think you could do the same thing for, you know, the double E that you could have two different all-star teams or all-time teams and they would still be pretty good. The, well, the one category and the one player I want to bring up with you is receiver. Brian Kelly got the most votes. Hey, he's uh, he was a champion. He was a leading receiver. He was a reliable player. He was an outstanding player. I get it. Jason Tucker was fourth, and you've known for several years, pretty much ever since you and I first met in 08 or 09, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> how much, how highly I thought of, of Jason Tucker, who was fourth. I mean, Fred Stamps was excellent. McGowan's in there. A, a listener wrote into my show last night saying, you know, how great McGowan was. I'm not old enough to, uh, to remember. Terry Vaughn was, you know, a guarantee for well over 1,000 yards. The reason I would have put Tucker higher than number four on my list 
is because I just think of of the more recent vintage, if you want mm-hmm. to go back, you know, 30 years or so, Tucker could do it all. He could go deep. He could go intermediate. He could go possession. He was tough. You know, like I, I just think, and nothing against Fred Stamps. I mean, we're splitting hairs here. I, I just think Tucker was more well-rounded than Stamps and probably more of a do-it-all threat than than even Vaughn and Hervey and Mitchell and some of the guys he played with. Well, he, he first arrived here in 2002, and I think we saw the brilliance then even, even though he wasn't a real, you know, uh, an overly well-rounded receiver at that point. 03, he was tremendous. I mean, he and Ricky Gray shredded the Montreal Alouettes in the in the Grey Cup in 03 in Regina. And then from that 03 to about 05, I think he was the best receiver in the league, no question. And um, he was so fast. But the way he could break down a, a defensive back or a linebacker, he was smart. You know, I don't know if you remember, but I, I believe it was in 2005, uh, Edmonton was in Winnipeg to play the Bombers. And Tucker caught a five-yard hitch pass towards the sidelines. And Tucker turned it into like a 105-yard touchdown. You know, like he, he was so good at being, like you say, that Swiss Army knife as a receiver. Um, Terry Vaughn was tremendous. There's no question about that. Um, you know, one name I was wondering if he would get on the list just because for three years in a row, he was so dominant was Adarius Bowman. Um, he had, he, he was just far and away the most targeted receiver, the receiver that got the most catches and the receiver that got the most yards. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable how much usage he got in this, uh, in this offense under Mike Riley. But, you know, Jason Tucker was kind of the glue that, uh, that, that held that team together. I mean, you had Ed Hervey, who was the emotional leader. You had the quiet leader in uh, in Mookie Mitchell when he came aboard. Terry Vaughn was that brash kind of, you know, cocky kind of loudmouth receiver. You know, he was a lot of fun to watch. And then you had Jason Tucker, you know, just just very quiet, just throwing the ball. Uh, but man, he could he could burn any defensive back in this league and it's just too bad we didn't see more of him i think he got injury issues in 07 uh didn't play every game didn't practice very much and we you know, that wasn't a good year anyway i mean go back to 06 the same thing but then 2008 the broken neck in hamilton and we just i think we saw a career end way too early but now you look at him now he's a, a well-accomplished receivers coach and uh he used to work in the nfl with the uh, houston texans uh he's He's a very smart individual, and it's too bad we didn't see more of him up here in the CFL. But, yeah, I think for three seasons for sure, he was the most dominant receiver in the league. Yeah, this was a fun poll for sure. Dave Campbell joining us tonight at Inside Sports. We're just over a week away from the Elks having a game for the first time since November of 2019, which is pretty cool. Cuts yesterday. Lemon and Diggs let go, I think, headlining it there, Dave. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, whenever you have two veterans, especially, I mean, Sean Lemon's been in this league for a long time, 70 sacks, two great cup championships. Vontae Diggs is the uh, reigning team nominee for most outstanding rookie. You know, for, for I'll start with Diggs. And, you know, he started camp as a starting well linebacker, just as he was for most of the 2019 season. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of Vontae Diggs, about Vontae Diggs that we like. He's uh, energetic, he's fast, he hits hard. Um, there is some of the di- discipline issues that we saw in 19, and we, we this is a team that we saw, especially under Jason Moss, have a lot of discipline issues. Uh, but, you know, you like the way Diggs played, but 
here comes two linebackers by the name of Keyshawn Barrera out of the University of Washington, has some experience in the NFL, and Niles Morgan out of Notre Dame. And you know the situation, Reed. If you're an American starter and you're not established, or let's say if you are established and maybe you're starting to decline a bit, if the player behind you is almost at your level or is a bit higher than you, then it's quite easy to get cut as a veteran because they'll go with the younger option, the cheaper option. And we got to remember too, I mean, Vontae Diggs is on a second contract now because his uh, 2020 year, like everyone else's, got burned because the season was canceled. Uh, but I think Morgan and Biera played exceptionally well during training camp, fast physical. Um, and, you know, this wasn't a culture issue or an attitude issue. I mean, Diggs is a very rash individual, but I think he's a very uh, good teammate. But it's just a case where, you know, the people behind him were just playing a bit better than he was. Well, Sean Lemon's a bit of a surprise for me because there's a veteran that could have been a nice uh, stabilizing force for what is a bit of a younger defensive line group uh, with Amondo Sewell not being there anymore. He's with the Montreal Alouettes. And Brock Sunderland said there were players behind him that they felt was, you know, that played better. And I honestly, I, I, I couldn't name them, <laughs> you know, because I, I saw a lot of Sean Lemon and I like what I saw. Now, Matthew Betts, who is going to be the other starting D end uh, opposite Kwaku Boateng, the third overall pick in 2019, had a tremendous camp. You know, you, you look at Matthew Betts and you go, uh, yeah, not much there, but he's 6'3", 250. He's quick, he's strong, uh, and he really pushed Lemon to be an every down type of player. And that's what, you know, Jamie Elizondo challenged Lemon in week one. He says, uh, you know, Lemon is a tremendous player. But I want Lemon to be more consistent on every play like he sees out of Matthew Betts and he sees out of Kwaku Boateng. But for me, it was a bit of a surprise because I, I, felt, I felt after he got challenged by his head coach, he did everything he needed to do to make the team. So it was a bit of a surprise for me. But Diggs, it hurts not to see Vontae Diggs on this roster just for him, just because he's so likable, he's a good player. But again, if you're a starter and if you're not, far and away better than who's behind you you're not going to make the team all right dave uh before i let you go new quarterback today what's going on there yeah dakota prukop who uh had some time with the toronto argos in 2017 to 2019 hasn't played very much in the league uh, 284 career passing yards three career touchdowns two interceptions they uh the elks released drew anderson i think this is just to bring in a little bit more experience behind trevor harris i, I think troy williams is far and away the backup uh to trevor harris I think uh, Taylor Cornelius had a, a very good uh, training camp, uh, and he's the number three for sure. But they may they may want to knock him down a peg too and make Prukop the the number three. It also speaks to this, Reed. There's not a lot of experienced quarterbacks anymore. I mean, if Logan Kilgore was available uh, and, and didn't retire, I think Logan Kilgore would be easy to give him a call and 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 you know say to come back, tell him to come back, and uh, you know be the be the another eyes and ears for. Uh, for Trevor Harris, uh, but you know, he's got a good job now in, in college football, so he's not coming back. It, yeah, there's not a lot out there, you know, so it's going to be imperative. They, they protect Trevor Harris and make sure that their starter will not miss five games like he missed in 2019. They, they can't afford that. Dave, I hope you have a great weekend. I know it won't be a long weekend because you're still working covering the Elks, and uh, thanks for filling in for me on Tuesday, buddy. I look forward to the season kicking off, buddy. It's going to be great. 
I can't wait. It's just almost surreal. We're finally going to have CFL football. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Brickfield, the Commonwealth Stadium. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an emotional night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Update on the Elks there from my buddy Dave Campbell. They play next Saturday against Ottawa. It's on 6.30, Chad. Sean Lemon, by the way, signing with the Calgary Stampeders after the Elks let him go earlier in the week. I got a text here from Jamie who says, I really think the owner of the Oilers should be more involved with the team. They were great under Peter Pocklington because he had to have them win to survive. Does Cates even attend games? He should be in the dressing room talking to them. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, I don't think Daryl Cates attends very many games. I, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't live in Edmonton full time. Um, he should be in the dressing room talking to them. I would strongly agree with that statement. Or pardon me, I would strongly disagree with that statement. Strongly disagree. Uh, I think there should be some distance between the owner and the players and he should not be somebody who is regularly going into the dressing room addressing the players that is primarily for the uh, coach to do and I think the uh, owner needs to distance himself from that so uh, if that's your theory on Pocklington and uh, and Cates I, I respect that but uh, I, I will disagree that the uh, the owner of the team should be in the French in the dressing room regularly talking to the players that is how I see it and I don't think the uh, yeah, I don't think the uh, success or failure of, of a team necessarily has... I mean, obviously, the owner has a huge impact on the franchise, but I don't think that the success or failure is related to how often the uh, owner speaks to the players as a group. That's how I would look at that. Hey, the Olympics are going strong. A lot of Canadian women are doing great. Jen Kish, who won a bronze medal in rugby. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sevens. And she'll also uh, let you know what she thinks of those beach volleyball uniforms. Okay, big thanks to Robert, who has texted in a photo of his Ford Bronco. Robert, good luck finding the real killers. 780-496-0063. Roadhammer says, I agree with you, Reed. The success of a team is not determined by the owner going into the dressing room and talking with his players all the time. Just ask Jerry Jones how well that's worked out for him in the last 26 years. Roadhammer either mocking the Dallas Cowboys or he's a fan of the Cowboys and he is lamenting Jerry Jones's uh, involvement with the team. But I can tell you this, Roadhammer is our champion in the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. The Slaw. 
Okay, well, now I feel – I hope I didn't guilt KJM into calling in because KJM, if, if you're moving, I like, I don't expect you to call. It's a bonus when you do call the certainty hotline. But So I, I hope I'm not taking you away from the really important move tonight. But I, I am glad you called. What's going on? Yeah, we just uh, we're just picking up supplies. Uh, the move isn't until uh, a couple of days, but uh, busy okay. getting ready. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I was listening, uh, cruising around and listening to the show while I was getting ready. And you, you said you wanted to talk free agents, and I was like, well, you know, I mean, I'll talk free agents. So <laughs> yeah, do it. You got, I, I, I'll give you two minutes, and then I got someone who's won an Olympic medal waiting. So I'll give you two minutes. Well, I, I, I won't, I won't uh, take up their time. Then. I just want to say that uh, you know, I mean, Hyman. Uh, really obviously adds a lot of depth for us and I think a little bit more of a, a dimension that we might need in the top five. I'm not even really that concerned about, about term. You know, I, I kind of like the idea of, of Taylor Hall, but uh, it's it's a little bit of the same. And, uh, you know, I think that Hyman is, is still a really great get. And, uh, you know, Derek Ryan in the, the three, three C spot with the, the right-handed, uh, face-off, uh, qualities and he's good at it. I think that's going to add some dimension to, uh, the penalty kill and defensive zone draws. Um, really happy with that too. Um, I think Cody CC uh, for for the price point, you know, is is going to be a, a reasonably effective replacement for Larson. Um, I'm not so sure. I'm I'm super happy with the term, but uh, you know, if CC goes out there and and performs, you know, like at the same sort of level that maybe Larson was, then you know, then it is a great deal. Not a big fan of the bear trade at all. Uh, I, I really like the guy that we're getting back. I'm not sure that's full full you know value on the trade for bear. And you know, I mean, when you're when you develop a, a right-handed you know uh, you know guy in your own system that has you know a, a real upside and qualities like like bear had. You know, I just don't think that that you get rid of him for anything less than than full value. But um, really excited. Uh, I think that overall we we're, we're probably a better team. A little bit concerned about no change in goaltending and and uh, and some of the the I'd say middle pair on D. But I think that overall that that we've uh, made a massive upgrade forward and that that's uh, that's going to carry us through. KJM, you're a good man. Excellent call as always. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for having me, Reed. KJM on the Certainty Hotline. Okay, and we will go right back to the Certainty Hotline. She won a bronze medal in 2016 at the Olympics as a member of the Canadian Women's Rugby Sevens team, Edmontonian Jen Kish. Jen, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I am good. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's been far too long, so we, we can't... Uh, well, it's my fault that we haven't had you on more often in, in recent years, but it's good to catch up with you. I've always enjoyed our chats in the past, and we often spoke in your capacity as an Olympian and as an athlete. And now you're taking in the Olympics uh, as a spectator. Uh, what's uh, what's that like? Like, can you totally detach yourself and just watch, kind of as a as a fan, quote unquote, or do you find yourself thinking like, oh, I wonder how they feel, or or that's how I would feel if that happened to me, like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I tr I've transitioned well into a spectator. Um, I've uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very good at it. And um, <laughs> I, you know, I often think while I'm watching these athletes compete in these games, like, man, like the stress and, um, you know, you have, you, you built so long for this one moment and every match matters and 
everything you do matters. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm good on the couch knowing that the next thing that I got to do is either get another beer or change the next sport. <laughs> so those are my biggest worries while the Olympic games go on other than watching Canada compete and, and, you know, watching uh, the women currently rocking it there. So, yeah. Yeah, the Canadian women are uh, incredible. Like what it was uh, rowing last night and another medal for Penny, like uh, huge stories. Yeah, it was, I think, 25 years since they last got gold or something like that. And, you know, it's nice to see the women um, be so successful at a games um, that big um, because, you know, women in sport are often overlooked and they don't get a lot of media attention or a lot of funding. And, you know, uh, women take an inch and then they stretch it a mile and they're so inspiring. And I know that there's little girls watching the Olympics just being like, wow, that's going to be me one day. And this, the sport um, is going to grow in, you know, on the female side. Yeah. Well, I love how you put that. And uh, and look, as someone who works in the media, I, I think I'm guilty of it sometimes though I, I i will say i think the the record on this show in, in featuring a lot of female athletes is quite good but but you're right sometimes the male sports um get to do, do dominate when you should look for stories on the female side of things too but i think you put it well the inspiration for the next generation because i think even to now to 2000 women's sports is in Canada is is much stronger and much more publicized and if you compare that to 1980 1960 so maybe I think it doesn't have maybe happen as fast as as we would like sometimes but I do think it's happening but maybe maybe you see it differently well just to put it in context like the first ever Olympics there is no female athletes you know and then the next Olympics I think there was 22 female athletes and over time it's been slowly building it's been a hundred years to get to this point where it's 50-50 men and women, you know what I mean? So, um, and that's a huge thing to have that be an equal number of, you know, women competing to men competing. And it took a hundred years to, you know, <laughs> to get to that point. Um, so I hope, you know, you're right. It is a slow growth, um, but, you know, paying attention to women's sport, not only during the Olympics or pinnacle events, but always it's going to help speed that up and give women the recognition and um, attention that they deserve because they train just as hard as their male counterparts and, um, and they're successful. Now, having said that, uh, one of the stories involving female athletes, this, these Olympics has not been about performance. It's been about uniforms and specifically in, in beach volleyball. And, um, you know, look, it's an outdoor sport. It's on a beach. So I guess you would expect that the attire would match to a degree. Um, uh, how do I put this kind of modestly? But the, the women's uniforms are quite revealing uh, for, for, <laughs> for athletes, you know, who are, who, uh, and, and, and obviously, you know, there have been female athletes who've, who don't like, don't want to wear that, but they're kind of being told, they have to i mean what is your take on this this just doesn't seem right to me it seems like they should be able to wear the clothing that makes them comfortable to compete in yeah absolutely you know i look at private schools for instance you know you have the boys wearing suits and the the girls wearing skirts and um i think you know that that kind of stuff starts back when we're young and then it transitions into sport and it's like females wear this and males wear that and and i think that you know if i was an amazing volleyball player and i'm also a tomboy that 
I definitely would be uncomfortable wearing a bikini while playing my sport. Um, it is revealing. You don't, you know, it's, it's not, you're not playing the sport to show your body. You're playing the sport to show your athleticism. So it's like, why do I need to wear, you know, a bikini um, in this sport? I, I shouldn't have to, that the men can wear shorts. And so, you know, to see Norway take a stand and say, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable wearing this. And then to have, you know, pink stand up and say, Hey, you keep doing you. I'm going to pay all your fines. Let's go. Um, I thought that was amazing. It's, it's, you know, it really changes. Um, it, it's going to change the way people view women in sport. We're not an item. We are athletes and we should be seen as athletes. And, um, so I commend Norway for doing that. And every other athlete who, um, female who, you know, takes a stand in what they're comfortable with because it's, it's important. You shouldn't be forced to, to wear things that you're not comfortable with. It's about the performance, not the way you look. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you put that. Well said Jen kiss joining us tonight on inside sports. Of course, one of the all time greats in rugby sevens. What was that? You got the bronze medal five years ago. We did. Cool. Yeah. Still, it was super still cool. a big smile <laughs> to your face that I like to see uh, kind of a tougher ride for, for this year's team, but it, I've kind of been following a lot of your, your tweets throughout, and then I think you kind of made it like it's just so close, so competitive, right? Like one or two little things could cost you a game or two. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty about sevens is that world rankings and statistics really don't matter when it comes to pinnacle events because it's it it all matters on how you show up that day, what side of the bed you get up on. Um, you know, you have Fiji who's ranked 11th in the world, who is, you know, in my eyes, a sleeping giant. Um, who, you know, put their, their hand up and said, Hey, we're competitors and, um, we're going to show you our talent and they're bang on. And here they are in the semifinal. Like no one would have ever thought that that would happen, um, on the Olympic stage in women's rugby, Fiji men, it's a bit different. They are a powerhouse. They won gold in 2016, but the female, like that's, it's remarkable, you know, and to see countries like France and, um, uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, France and... It's okay, uh, we'll, check. We'll, we'll check it after. Yeah. yeah. So you, I, you I, know, I know you, the gist of what you're getting at, yeah. Yeah, you have, like, you have other teams putting up their hands, and Australia is not in the, you know, in the semifinal, and they won gold in 2016. Oh, it was Great Britain. Right. So France and Great Britain, who we kicked out of the the quarterfinals and, and won for bronze, like, you know, it's... It's amazing that sevens, you, it's, it's a lotto. Like you can literally, it's a crapshoot. You really don't know who's going to win because, because one mistake, you know, um, one leg in your defense, it's a TSN turning point for some of these teams. So tell me about the, the delay because of the pandemic, because so much of the, the lives of Olympic athletes is structured around the four, four year cycle. So you're thinking, great, Tokyo 2020, and you're, you know, a few weeks away, and then the pandemic hits and everything gets delayed, and now it's sort of a, a refocus for this summer. And it's still quite unusual with, you know, no fans and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, is it, is it that easy just to readjust, or is that like a huge, huge adjustment for the athletes who put themselves on that four-year clock, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's a huge adjustment. Um, and I think any athlete would agree with me. You are on a program, there's meso, meso cycles within your program and macros and, and all that stuff. So you, you're, you're on this program to peak at a certain point, right? So some tournaments, you aren't going to that tournament to win. You're just 
you're on your program, right? You're, you're peaking for like the Olympics. So when a pandemic hits and you're in your stride, everything gets turned upside down. Your, your training has to completely change. Your mindset has to completely change. You know, in rugby, it was kind of that sport that you, it's very physical. Like you're, so when you're talking about COVID, like you can't actually train, it makes it really hard to train. And, you know, I was decentralized, um, in 2017, playing away, like training away from the team. And I would fly in two weeks before and, and try to get my legs again in rugby. And no matter how hard I trained by myself in the gym and doing speed sessions, it just wasn't this, it didn't translate as well to, to on field with passing and catching the ball and, and sidestepping and playing with my teammates. So, um, you know, the, I, for sure, 100%, the, the pandemic threw, uh, you know, a wedge into people's preparations. But at the same time, every country had to deal with that. And the countries that you see now winning, I believe, dealt with it better. Um, they obviously, you know, had a little bit better preparation or, you know, it's a mental game too. Um some athletes had the chance to recover from injuries while other athletes were forced into retirement. Um, so yeah, that pandemic really threw uh, everybody for a loop, but um, it's nice to see these athletes still show up and give it their best. And um, that's something that we can all be proud of for them for doing that. Cause this has been a really trialing uh, year and a bit for, you know, an extra year and a bit leading right. into the Olympic Games. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, a great perspective as always, Jen. And, you know, we got, we got to do this uh, more often. It's so cool to catch up with you. And, of course, I got to ask you, what, what are you up to these days? Because, uh, well, it's, I think, three years since you retired now. So how are you keeping yeah. busy? Yeah. Well, so I'm doing the personal training. I'm now married to my wife, Shawnee, who is actually performing at the, the YAG Together Again concert on August 6th at uh, 5 p.m. So <laughs> that's what I, I am my wife's biggest fan. And, um, you know, I've been cheering her on and, and her chasing her, her dream. And so that's kind of what I've been up to is just living life, following her career and, um, and, and personal training. Jen, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, Canada's 12th medal of the Olympics. A few minutes ago, Kylie Moss, silver in the 200-meter backstroke, her second silver medal of the Olympics. Great stuff there. Jen Kish and I were just talking about how great the Canadian women are doing at the Olympics. There is another medal. Okay, I am always happy to talk about free play for kids. It started as free footy by Tim Adams a few years ago. It's now free play for kids. Includes a whole bunch of different sports, and they have something pretty special going on. Adriana Martinez, who's the manager of sponsorship and marketing for free play for kids, is on the line. Adriana, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for I'm having me. I'm doing very well. I'm always happy to talk about free play for kids. Yes. Now, I, I know, I you know people like Tim and you work incredibly hard. Uh, yes. But, hey, uh, you need help. You need people to get involved. What's going on right now? Yeah, so we are doing a huge fundraising push right now. We are in the middle of our summer camps, and we're just kind of um, struggling to get some funds to keep our kids playing throughout the summer and also in our fall programs um, starting in September. So we are, pulling a, we are putting a call out to our community, to Edmonton, to help us out and donate to um, our cause. 
All right, and do you have a goal you're trying to reach, or what's the situation yes. here? We are trying to reach $50,000 by next Friday. <laughs> okay. We are so, we are about 20% there, so we need a little bit more help. Okay, well, I, I, you, you came to the right place. Uh, free play for kids. I mean, it's, it's really important. Like, can you remind us of, of the programs yeah. you offer and how many kids are involved? Yeah, absolutely. So Free Play for Kids, we are a completely free sports programming for vulnerable youth here in Edmonton. We provide everything uh, absolutely free, which means we give them transportation. We pick them up directly from um, their school. We give them gear. We give them apparel, jerseys, equipment, and then they get coached by some awesome coaches and some great youth leaders and they make new friends and they get to um, learn new sports, which is kind of awesome. And we have hockey, we have uh, flag football, soccer and basketball. Yeah. And, and like I said, Tim started, you know, just with, with, with soccer. I don't want to say just with soccer because yeah. that was still huge, but uh, I mean, it's expanded and it's so important. And I, and I know Tim was on a couple of times during the pandemic and, yeah you know challenging because of you know gathering and being inside versus outside is that uh, how has that sort of um been something you had to navigate here over the last year and a half or so yeah it's been extremely difficult um but luckily we worked uh, very closely with alberta health services so we were still able to bring kids in um and what actually happened we grew our program so before we were once a week and now we are five times a week we monday to friday kids come every day after school right now in summer camps it's all day long um but yeah it's it's been tough but we're happy that you know, kids are still coming and we're able to provide, you know, free sport for these kiddos. Yeah. And, and, and some of these uh, kids like they're, uh, I think you, you have, you know, some new Canadians or maybe you have some kids yes. who maybe yes. wouldn't have a safe place to go after, after school or whatever, like kids like that are yeah. often involved. You, yeah, you got it, Reed. So what we actually do is we go off this social vulnerability index for schools. And, you know, that goes off of different social demographics of, you know, what is the newcomer status, what is, you know, income levels, um, you know, the, dem the social demographics. And so we go start at the top of number one and we just work our way down the list. So currently we're working with about eight schools right now that sit pretty high up on that list. And you said it, there's some kids that just don't have a safe space or they come from a single parent home. Um, it's tough. It's tough for a single parent to give a child what they need um, when they're, you know, working, especially during the pandemic when it was it was a struggle for a lot of us so um, we just want to make sure that every kid has a safe space to play um, and feel included and feel like they belong somewhere well adriana the work you're doing is incredible and and tim and everybody involved in free play for kids and and the kids are incredible who who uh who get involved in these yes. sports as well so I, i'm going to give people the website here it's easy yes. freeplayforkids.com it's exactly who you are as the website there's a button there yep. to donate if people can help yes. uh, with anything i know you guys will appreciate it and it's all uh, tax deductible right it counts as a charitable yes. donation yes Yes, we just got our charity status, so it's a big deal for us. <laughs> okay. Adriana, thank you for this. I uh, hope maybe thank we can you, give people another poke next week before next Friday. Thank you for coming awesome. on. Thank you so much, Reed. Have a great night.
Adriana Martinez, manager of sponsorship and marketing, free play for kids. Uh, Tim Adams got it going. I'm sure you've heard Tim on the show. He's so dedicated, works so hard, and like he's making a difference. And he's he's built this up. He and a lot of other people. So freeplayforkids.com. There's a page to donate. Uh, I'm going to throw something in. Uh, if you can, I, you know, I know if if you can, it, it would be appreciated and put to outstanding use for sure. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.